0: Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. And uh, so today in this series, we are talking about what does the Bible say about that Today in particular, we're focusing on, I believe, what is... Most likely, the most important truth that we draw out of the Bible in the Word of God is the subject of forgiveness. What does the Bible say about forgiveness? So we're going to explore this thing, and there's so much we can say about this topic, but we want to be specific that, on things that will be relevant to you right now and maybe what you're facing, dealing with, and going through. But uh, I know people have this expectation every time I come to preach, and that is to bring a little bit of humor. And I I attempt to do that sometimes. It goes over. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, And you've heard the dad jokes, and I I think I'm more accused of of the dad joke thing now, especially that I have grandchildren. Uh, But um, uh, here's one for you. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? It has great food but no atmosphere. Yeah, and uh, you might have heard that one before. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think I shared it a few years ago. But anyway, uh, some good jokes are good, re- worth repeating, right? Um, or what do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. Okay. Anyway, okay. One more. One more. Um, I'm reading a book about anti gravity. It's absolutely impossible to put it down. Okay. All right. I think we need to pray now. Okay. Are you ready for the word? We're going to pray. Thank you, Father. Father, we come before you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we position ourselves right now to hear your word. Father, allow truth to reach the inward parts of our being. Father, in our will and emotions, let truth begin to purge things that need to be purged and bring to light things that need to be brought to light. And Father, bring, Father, strength where there's weakness, hope where there's hopeless. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So are you ready for the word? So... In addressing this message, I want to address two different aspects, important aspects about forgiveness. And that is receiving forgiveness and secondly, giving forgiveness. Because both are very important, but you can't do one without the other. And there's a connection. So we all need forgiveness. There's not a human being on earth that ever has been born is living right now or will be born that does not need to be forgiven because we've all been sinners and we're sinners in need of a savior. We've wronged, we've we've committed sin, we've done wrong in our life. We have trespassed against God. We've we've broken commandments and, and I'm not here today to point out all the commandments that you may have broken, the sins that you may have committed, the ugly things that maybe you've done in your life, that doesn't matter right now. But what does matter is that you receive God's forgiveness because there's forgiveness for anything and everything that you've done wrong in your life. And that forgiveness is like nothing else because it's a forgiveness that brings healing, restoration, and new life to us. And so the two aspects, receiving forgiveness and forgiving others, when you receive forgiveness, you are enabled and capable of forgiving others. You need to mark that down because the person forgiven now is empowered to forgive. And that's, that's a biblical principle, a spiritual truth that we need to understand. Now, here at Refuge, one of our core values at Refuge is we are a family that always forgives. See, forgiveness is a core value of this church. Now, some people might say, well, you know, I've, I've committed too many sins. I can't even come to church because people will look at me different. They would say, get out of here. You don't belong here. But no, you belong here because you need forgiveness. And you look at somebody differently once they're forgiven. Because even God doesn't remember our sins He said he'll remember them no more. When he looks at you, he doesn't see all the things you've done to mess up in your life. But he sees you in light of Christ, his son. He sees you as clean and holy and pure and righteous. Because that's what he's done through the cross and in Christ. And, And we may talk a little bit more about that later. Now, forgiveness is a central theme of the Bible that runs deep. And we as believers, and if you're a believer today, you need to develop a heart that forgives. There's too many believers that have not developed a heart to forgive. And consequently, they're holding on to resentments. They become embittered. And their life is tormented because of those things. Because when you receive forgiveness, we're made free just as when we forgive someone else, we're set free. And that person we forgive is also set free. And, and, and there's, there's so many things I could say about this. We could actually do a whole series on this. We could spend weeks on this particular subject. But I'm going to do my best to communicate this in one sermon, okay? All right. So let me just say that refuge, this church, is a place for people. A place to find love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Okay? Now, I want to give a warning. This message comes with a warning. This could be a very difficult message for you to receive. It could be very difficult for some of you. But actually, I believe it will bring defeat to the offense, to the resentment, and the bitterness that has ruled your life. See, forgiveness will bring you into a place of tremendous freedom. Into a place of tremendous freedom. Is there a person you struggle to forgive? Do you have, re- I like to say this, do you have repeat offenders in your life? And you, you, you just forgive them and all of a sudden they do it again, they mess up again, oh, here we go again. And, and And Jesus, I'm getting ahead of myself, Peter thought, you know, when Jesus was talking about forgiveness, he said, how about, Jesus, if I forgive somebody seven times? And Jesus looked at him and says, no, uh, you need to multiply that by 70. 70 times seven. And Peter, I think, immediately realized, oh, this, this is something that's not a natural thing to it, It's a supernatural endowment of power for me to be able to do that. Forgiveness is supernatural. You need to understand that. It's not a natural thing that we can do just in our own limited human ability. We need God's help in this area. Forgiveness, you need to write this down, is a biblical mandate for the believer. See, you don't have the option, the liberty to not forgive without experiencing devastating results in your own life. And so we we need to understand these things so let's consider these two essential elements, receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. The first, when it comes to receiving forgiveness, we see a passage in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And you can write this down if you're taking notes, but you can see it on the screen behind me. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 from the English Standard Version reads this way. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. In other words, the, the ruling influence of darkness And this is in reference to Jesus. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we're under the jurisdiction of a whole other kingdom, a whole other influence. And that's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because he wants his kingdom influence to be reigning in our lives. And when it is, then Then this scripture will start to make sense to you but but notice verse fourteen verse fourteen says in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins see that is our redemption that's the redeeming value of what 's being spoken here. the forgiveness of our sins they're put away they 're separated from us now, another verse that that validates this same our truth of receiving forgiveness, or when we talk about receiving forgiveness, we find it in Acts chapter 10, verse 43. And uh, the apostle here is speaking, and he's addressing the crowd. And, and this is what he says in his message. To him, and this is speaking about Jesus again. You can read this in the context. at your own liberty. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him Receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Wow. So how do we receive forgiveness? By faith in Jesus. Put your trust in him. Give your heart to him. And you can receive forgiveness of sins. And so that's a question. We'll come back to that later. Have you received forgiveness of sins? Have you received the forgiveness that only Jesus can bring to you through his name? Secondly, giving forgiveness... When we look at giving forgiveness, and let me just add this to this part. You cannot give what you have not received. Some people are incapacitated to forgive someone because they have not received forgiveness. And one of the issues, and if we have time, we might touch on it a little bit too, is forgiving yourself. And see, that's an area that I had a struggle with in my life. Yeah, I could forgive other people for the wrongs they did. But when it came to forgiving myself, I was very hard on myself. And I I got into a place where I lived under this cloud of condemnation for different seasons of my life because of a struggle to forgive me, even though I had asked God to forgive me and he forgave me. And that's really what it boiled down to. The Lord began to deal with my heart. He says, who are you to not forgive yourself when I've already forgiven you? And some of you need to receive that. You need to forgive yourself. You're holding something over your head. And certainly, you need to take responsibility. You need to take ownership of it. But you repent from it. You turn from it. But there's freedom that comes so that you don't have to live under the guilt and the condemnation of the wrong you've committed. And so, just receive that. Forgive yourself. Some of you need to just even call your own name. Like this. say, Matt, I forgive you now. Oh, yeah, okay, thanks. Appreciate that. Okay. So giving forgiveness, this is one of my most favorite verses in the Bible, and I have a lot of favorite ones from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation. But this one speaks to me in so many ways. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we'll, we'll read verses 31 and 32, and we'll read this from the New King James Version. And what's interesting about this passage, I think, when they were putting the chapters and verses in the Bible, they 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 should not have broken this up between chapter 4 and, and chapter 5 because it flows right into the next chapter. Uh, but let's look at verse 31 here. Uh, Let all bitterness have you ever had any bitterness in your heart? Wrath. Now wrath is that sense of I'm going to take revenge, I'm going to get even anger, oh We've all been angry. Clamor, that's just when you go off at the mouth. You're just mouthing off. And you're just airing your grievances and, and, and the, the junk. And and since it also goes on to say, and evil speaking be put away from you. See, when bitterness, wrath, and anger, those things that work in your life, uh, you're speaking evil. In other, the, other words, the words of your mouth are not life-giving anymore. They're destructive. And, and most people don't want to be around that. Somebody speaking that way. Somebody that's full of bitterness. Verse 32. This is what we have to do. What is our mandate? And be kind one to another. I have to stop right there. I get these little rabbit tra- trails. You know what a rabbit trail is? It's when you're in the middle of your message and you get another thought. and Then you go that way. You know, Because rabbits they can be easily distracted. They, they see something here, they run off that way. They see something there and they go run off that way. This is a rabbit trail, by the way. And I almost forgot what rabbit trail it was, but I just remembered it. Um, something that Deb and I did in our household with kids. We had one request of our children. And that was this passage right here. Be kind One to another. Be kind. Just be kind one to another. If you can just do that, everything will be all right. Be kind. I mean, what a great instruction from the word. But we need to take this to heart, put it into practice, and live it out in our lives. And be kind one to another. Notice this next word, tenderhearted. Oh, see, so many people are hard-hearted. So it's impossible for them to be kind because of the hard heart. They've hardened themselves. Unforgiveness will do that. Notice the next phrase. Forgiving one another. Now there's two words that come next. These are the hardest words. Even as God in Christ forgave you. What? Pastor, are you telling me that I have to forgive like God forgives? Yes, I am. Why? Because he's forgiven you. And because he's forgiven you, you now have the ability and you've been enabled by his grace to forgive others. And so you are to forgive just like God forgives. Oh, you know, that should, you should get excited about that that you have that power and ability within yourself not because of you, but because of Jesus, the one that lives in you and because of the fact that you've been forgiven. Now, the New Living Translation, verse 32 reads this way. Maybe some of you may be able to connect more with this passage. It says, you must be kind to each other. Think of the other person. Sometimes you need to put yourself in their shoes. You really do. Because you're so self-absorbed, so self-focused, that you're not really considering the perspective of that other person. Okay? So, it says, think of the other person. Forgive other people just as God forgave you because of Christ's death on the cross. Wow. So, my challenge here is to forgive completely and quickly as the Lord has forgiven you. Uh, The Greek word for forgiveness is interesting. It's aphimami, A-P-H-I-E-M-I. That's how it's pronounced, aphimami. And it means to send forth, to send away. It denotes to remit or release debts. It is a cancellation of any form of debt, sin or financial debt or some other obligation. Now, some of you like forgiveness for financial debt, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yes, Lord, send it on. I, I'm ready for that, okay? Um, Webster 1828 Dictionary, and that's a, that's an interesting dictionary. You can get about $10 online, uh, but it's a green heavy book. I have one in my office. It's the 1828 edition, but it's been reprinted, but it has scripture references. Noah Webster had scripture references to most of the definitions in that book. Now, there's words that are invented that you won't find in there that we have today but it's it's a great resource but webster 1828 dictionary defines forgive as to pardon to overlook an offense and to treat the offender as not guilty forgiveness is the act of forgiving it goes on to say now jesus commanded us to love as he loves and to forgive as he forgives we see a reference in john chapter 13 verse 34 John thirteen thirty four says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as, notice the words again, just as, just as I've loved you. In other words, we're to love as Jesus loves. To the same degree, the same way. Is that possible? Not in the human ability, but because you've received his love, now you have the capacity to love as he loves in an unconditional way. And so Now, you need to understand that love and forgiveness work hand in hand. You cannot love without forgiving, and you cannot forgive without loving, okay? Uh, The love of God gives us the capacity to forgive and the ability to love, okay? Now, Hebrews 12, 15, and, and we want to look at this because something that is a stopper in this, something that tries to block the love of God and prevent us from forgiving is this thing called forgiveness. When there's an offense, when someone wrongs you, the natural tendency is to become embittered, to take that offense, and then to build walls around yourself and, and to hold grudges, to hold grievances, and, and then to begin to respond in hatred and anger and these other things we previously read about in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, so Hebrews 12:15 it says see to it that no one falls or fails to obtain the grace of God. In other words, the grace of God is available for you and you need to obtain it. You need to get a hold of it because grace by simple definition is God's enablement in your life. It's God's ability for you to do what you can't do in your own ability. And see, we need to be living out the grace of God because it's enabling us to live as he wants us to live. Because living as a Christian is impossible without God's grace, without his enablement. And so it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. See, you are not the only one affected by your unforgiveness that root of bitterness, because of this thing called secondhand offense. Somebody else can pick up on that offense. You know, you know let's say um, I did something to offend Joan, who's sitting on the front row here. And, um, and, and her and I, there's this issue between us, and she's offended by me. Well, obviously, her husband held. It's very easy for him to pick up on that offense and for the, him to have issue with me because of my issue with John and my offense between us. And that he he can pick that up, and then that becomes a secondhand offense. And even though I didn't do anything directly to offend him because I offended his wife, he picks up that offense. And so that happens far too much where people get offended and they pick up the offense of someone else where they don't like that person, but they they might not have even had an encounter with that person but they hate them, they despise them uh, because of what they did to someone that they know and is close to. So the outcome, I need to share a couple things here as we move through this message. You doing okay? Everybody doing okay? Good. Um, The outcome of unforgiveness is a root of bitterness that overtakes your life. When you think of a root, um, have you ever pulled weeds? I was raised on a farm And the thing I despised is pulling weeds. And we had this weed called yellow rocket. And those of you that are on the farm, it's, and it grows in the hay field. And it will overtake the hay field if you don't pluck them out and get them out. And I think now they can spray for it. But back in my day on the farm, we had to pull those yellow rocket. And so... And some of those yellow rocket, the roots were deeper and it was harder to pull, but you had to get the root out. If you didn't get the root out, it would spring back. And so the thing about bitterness, it enroots itself into our life. And sometimes you can pull it out, but if the root is still there, it's going to spring forth again. And it won't only defile you, but it will defile others. And, And there's so much more we could just talk about that. But holding grudges is unhealthy, emotionally and physically. And it will make your life miserable and it will make the lives of those around you miserable too. Holding a grudge is something that most of us do really well. You know, Uh, I had a neighbor growing up too. um, His name was Clarence. Never married. He lived with his sister. He, you know, had a farm. uh, Just a very kind-hearted guy. And Somebody shot his dog. And he was convinced it was his neighbor that lived a few houses down. And and the neighbor said, no, it wasn't me. He said, no, I know. And Clarence thought, no, it's you. And I can remember that man turning into a very bitter man because of unforgiveness towards his neighbor. And he had no proof that his neighbor did it. But yet he believed and was convinced that his neighbor killed his dog. And I can remember visiting him in the hospital. And he didn't have much longer to live. And you know what? He would not forgive his neighbor. He took that to the grave. And you know, it, it saddens me because that's a story that could, you know, would determine his eternity to take that to the grave. Do not take unforgiveness to the grave. And see, we don't know when that day will come. It's a point unto man once to die, then the judgment. You can't carry forgiveness. Especially don't take it to the grave with you. Okay, that's, that's another rabbit trail, by the way. I hadn't planned on sharing that. But a uh, whole family could see the change in Clarence after that event and him embracing that unforgiveness and that bitterness setting in. He just, every time you got around him, he was just talking about that. He, You know, and it's like, okay, we don't want to go there anymore because this guy is caught up in this whole bitterness thing towards his neighbor. Now, often people feel they need to share their unforgiveness with others. And again, that's where... Others pick up that offense and they carry it too. But you've heard heard it said unforgiveness is like uh, drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. And you're the one that becomes the victim. See, forgiving someone is for your well-being, for your spiritual, emotional health. It's for you. You benefit the most when you forgive someone who's wronged you. But they don't deserve forgiveness. They're not sorry. Well, forgive them anyway. Years ago, the Lord showed me just this illustration. I think it's helpful. It helped me to understand forgiveness. And it helped me to understand unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like a container of hurt that holds the pain inside. Once you forgive, the pain goes away because that container is shattered. But Unforgiveness is a container, and and you can't be released of the pain until you forgive. So I believe that forgiveness comes from wholeness, and forgiveness creates wholeness in our lives. So determine not to let an offense define you. Some people are defined by their offense. They've been wrong, They've been hurt, and everybody knows it, and that defines them. Don't let it define you. See, forgiveness can be a hard thing. That's why we need God's help, don't we? The greatest expression of love, I believe, is the ability to forgive an offense. Even when the offended has not even asked for forgiveness. Psalms 119, and, and this is a word of encouragement to you as well. Psalms 119, I believe it's 178. I, I don't know the actual, I think, did you not, I didn't put the actual verse on that one. Um, this is your assignment. You can look this and find this out. It's toward the end of Psalm 119. There's, there's like almost 200 verses in that chapter. The longest chapter of the Bible, okay? It says there, and this is from the Passion Translation. It says, there's such a great peace and well-being that comes to the lovers of your word, and they will never be offended or stumble. And so with, with that, to the degree that you love God's word is the degree that you will not take offense So, you know, and I I check myself, oh, Lord, how much do I love you and love your word? That determines whether or not I'll take offense to this thing. I can remember at the door years ago, I I made a comment to somebody, and it was just kind of one of those things. I was joking around, and I said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. And the, the person said this, and I'll never forget it. Pastor, if you offend me, then I have a problem. It's my problem. I said, oh, I like that. I think I've been told, I'll never forget that. I haven't. Okay. So, um, and it's interesting in the Lord's Prayer, we see that forgiveness is so readily in there. We need to choose each day to walk in the love of God. In the Lord's Prayer, Matthew six twelve says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And if you understand the Lord's Prayer, it's meant to be prayed daily, it says give us this day our daily bread it's a pattern for how we pray in our daily prayer time but notice it addresses forgiveness, the Lord's prayer now we forgive because God forgave us and forgives us we forgive because resentment is self-torture we need forgiveness every day and most likely need to forgive every day, okay it's a commandment, and we have the capacity to forgive because we are born of God. We're born of his spirit. He lives in us. As, as a church refuge, we are a family that always forgives. What does that mean to us as a church? Well, it means that we see beyond the offense. It means that we refuse to take offense. It's so easy to be offended, but we need to refuse to take that offense. It means we guard our heart from bitterness. We don't let it in. It's understanding that forgiveness is an act of strength, not an act of weakness. It means that we'll not only receive forgiveness, but we'll be willing to give forgiveness freely. Matthew 16, 15. Now, this is right after the Lord's Prayer. And this is a challenging one. This is where I said that there's a warning. This can be hard. Matthew 6, 15 says, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. What? I thought God forgave me. Well, yeah, but there's a condition. Forgiveness, the condition of forgiveness is that we forgive. Otherwise, we'll stand accountable for our sins. That's a serious matter. And see, we see in Matthew 18, when you have time this week, read Matthew 18 you see a story there about the master and two servants. One of the servants was greatly in debt with his master. He pled his case before him, and it was like a huge debt. He forgave him the debt. And then there was this same person that was forgiven this great debt went to one of his fellow servants, and he owed him just just a little bit of money, and and he demanded that he pay, and he did pay him back, And so we had him put in prison and begin to, you know, just not be loving to the guy. And so as a result, when the master found out what the servant had done that he'd forgiven, he said, I forgave you this great debt, and you weren't willing to forgive your brother this small debt? And that's a comparison. Our our sins, it's a great debt before God, and God forgave us of all that. And who are we not to forgive our fellow servant? And the scripture reads in Matthew eighteen, twenty-one, and 22. You can read the rest of the chapter later. It says, then Peter came to him and said, oh, wait, that's, that's a different one. Okay, here it is. Matthew 18, Jesus gives us a picture of forgiveness in the parable in response to Peter's question. And that was, the question was, how many times should I forgive my brother if he offends me? And actually, in, in Matthew 18, we'll start at verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And that was, the word seven is significant there, but it's like you just keep doing it. It's infinite. And so we don't keep account of how many times you've had to forgive someone, okay? I forgave you that three times. Okay, well... Uh, You're not at 499 yet, 490 yet, so, okay. But reading on verse 34, okay. Matthew 18, 34 and 35, and his master was angry. This is that parable that we had showed. It's called the parable of the unforgiving servant. And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. Verse 35, so my heavenly father also will do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses, that's that's pretty heavy duty. In other words, the debt he was forgiven; now he's required to pay that debt. The offended cannot demand the offender to ask for forgiveness; they simply must forgive. To forgive and trust are not the same. I need to clarify that. If I give Dustin my car keys and I said, "Hey, you're gonna you know aren't you?" Um, I take my vehicle, gas it up. You can use it for the day. We're going to be gone. Just, you know, just bring it back when you're done. And all of a sudden, the uh, vehicle's gone. And it comes back, and it's, it's been in a wreck. That wouldn't happen, I know. And uh, I think, okay. And he gives me the keys back. Here's your vehicle. I'd have to say, you know, something, uh, Dustin, I have to forgive you. Um, and you need to do what you can to make this thing right. But no, I'm not going to hold this against you. I forgive you. Now, do you think I'm going to trust him with my vehicle anytime soon? No, no. So, because in that realm, he needs to rebuild this trust. He needs to prove himself trustworthy for me to trust him again. So if you've been offended by somebody, that doesn't mean you automatically have to trust them again because they have the responsibility to prove themselves trustworthy if they receive that forgiveness. And so you need to understand that. So some people think, well, I forgive them. That means I have to trust them. No, you don't. Okay, Um, So forgiving, and I love this statement. If you look at the word forgiving and separate the two, forgiving is forgiving. Forgiving allows you to be able to give into a person's life again. See, if you've offended me or if I've offended you, you know, we might not even be able to smile at each other. We might not be able to even share a kind word with each other. So it stops me from being able to give you a compliment, to give you a smile, to give you the time of day. Forgiving is forgiving. Forgiving allows me to give into your life because we're givers, not takers. Amen. And so we're going to invite the worship team up at this time. And uh, I'm going to, uh, there, there's a great book, and I want to recommend this to you. It's uh, by John Bevere. It's called The Bait of Satan. And he really deals, and we actually have a course, and we can make that available to you as well. Uh, members of Refuge, there's a link, and you can do a downloadable course on this subject The Bait of Satan, which deals with offense. It deals with forgiveness. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's been transformational in people's lives. And uh, if, you, if you've never seen the movie Unbroken, I encourage you to do that as well. Uh, Louis Zampini uh, was a man in World War II. He was uh, captured by the Japanese. He was tortured by a Japanese soldier. And his life after he, he, he got out of the service was tormented because of what he'd gone through and the bitterness and unforgiveness he carried. He got saved, committed his life to Christ, and he came to a point where he forgave his torture. And this movie is absolutely phenomenal. It's called um, Unbroken, Plan to Redemption. It's on Flex, You can find that uh, movie. Um, but this story has to do with my wife. It's kind of her little personal story. It's before we were married. She had this moped. She actually bought the moped from my mom at a good price. And she thought, you know, uh, she can use this to come to church. She was actually on staff at the time working in a child care center. And so uh, she was on a little moped. She'd come to church and come to work and all that. And, and you'd see around town on her little moped. Hey, there's Deb, you know. <laughs> and then she put it in the garage and kind of you know getting colder and you know weather is not suitable for her to have a moped out and um, she got a call from the sheriff's department actually uh, somebody that worked for the sheriff's department that she was a friend with and she said he said to her Deb are you missing a moped well, I haven't checked lately, but so she went into a garage and it wasn't there. And he said, well, we have it at the sheriff's department. It was actually stolen. And we want to know if you're willing to press charges against this young man that stole the moped. And so Deb came to me and says, Matt, Pastor Matt, why don't you give me some counsel? What should I do? He said, well, what do you want to do? well, I wonder, I'm more concerned about this man's salvation than the fact that he stole my moped. So we made arrangements with the sheriff's department to have him come to church and meet with her and I in my office. And this young man was terrified, totally terrified. So he comes in, he sits down, and we start sharing with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of eternal life and his need for Savior, and we had the privilege and the opportunity to pray with him to make a meaningful commitment to Jesus Christ, and he did. He made that commitment, and then Deb did something that was so extraordinary. She gave that man her moped, she said, "It's yours." He was totally in unbelief. What? I stole this from you. I could go to jail. I could pay a fine. I could have a record. And he didn't know what to say. Well, later on, that young man joined the military. And he would not have been able to even get into the military if he would have had a record for stealing and every now and then, the man would come to church and show up. He's made something of his life, married, family, children, doing well. And he remembers what Deb did in his life in that act of love and that act of forgiveness. It changed his destiny. He was on a path, on the road to living a very sinful life, a very life that would have been, probably ended up in prison, but it changes life forever. And so when we think about forgiveness, think about that story. C.S. Lewis wrote, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Lewis B. Smeeds wrote, when we genuinely forgive, we set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner we set free was us. And Dwight L. Moody, I'm sharing these quotes because these are great Christian quotes from leaders. It says, the voice of sin is loud, but the voice of forgiveness is louder. I want to close with this passage Mark 11, 25 and 26. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Unforgiveness is the number one reason why prayers aren't answered. Unanswered prayers often related to unforgiveness in your life. Do you only forgive a person if they prove that they deserve it? You can't place conditions on forgiveness. Forgiveness is a supernatural act. It's an unnatural act. Question, who do you need to forgive? Before we explore that, we're going to close here just in a moment. I want to extend God's forgiveness to you if you've never received Jesus as the Lord of your life. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I don't know that I've received God's forgiveness in my life. I want to extend that opportunity to you with every, every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around right now. This is between you and God. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I know that my life is not right with God. If I were to die, I'm uncertain whether I'd go to heaven or hell. But I'm willing to today to open my heart to Jesus, acknowledging that He died on the cross for me. He rose from the dead to give me new life. I'm willing to put my faith and my trust in Him and to commit my life to Him. I'm willing to turn and repent for my sins. If that's you, and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want you to lift your hand wherever you are in the auditorium. If you're listening online, just acknowledge that you need Jesus in your own heart. Let's stand up together because we're going to pray this prayer together. And This is what I call a believer's prayer. And as we pray this prayer, we can release our faith to receive God's forgiveness in our life and acknowledge him as the Lord of our life. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. I repent of my sins. I come to you, Jesus. I ask that you forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me and, th- and that you rose from the dead to give me life. Today, I put my trust in you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. I receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you pray that for the first time, the pro team will be up here afterwards and and we'd love to be able to uh, pray with you afterwards and uh, share some information with you we have some material we can give you in your journey with God. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, all things pass away, all things become new there's something that God does from the inside out in transforming us now we want to deal with the other thing is there someone that you need to forgive what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through this message today? You don't want to take that unforgiveness to the grave with you. You need to determine that you're going to forgive today. So pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, today I choose to forgive every offense and every offender. Bring to mind those that I've held unforgiveness to. And as an act of faith, according to your word, I choose to forgive. I choose to release the offense in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, that's just a simple prayer, but that's something that you need to live out. That's something that you need to embrace. And and realize that sometimes we may choose to forgive someone, but then there's symptoms of unforgiveness that will creep into our life. And that we think, okay, oh, I thought I forgave them. But we need to reinforce the fact, yes, I have forgiven that person. And I have released this offense. I've given it to God.